Poker, All the Games, is a podcast that introduces listeners to more than 20 variations of poker. Each episode will highlight one game, as well as dive into any controversial news in the poker world. We know why you're here. Because you love poker as much as we do. Now introducing your host, Sean Griegas. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Poker All the Games. This is episode 38, where we will discuss Super Hold'em. I'm your host, Sean, coming to you from the northeast of the United States, along with co-host Martin, who joins us from Malta. Since Martin and I share a fondness for mixed poker games, each of us has also written a book on mixed game poker, we also enjoy trying new beers. We'll be starting off today's show a little differently than each episode. Martin will be reviewing a beer from Europe, and I'll be reviewing the beer scene in Cincinnati, Ohio. So sit back, grab a beer, as long as you're not driving, and enjoy our beer review and subsequent discussion of mixed poker games. Along with any trip I take, poker or otherwise, there are beer stops along the way. Later in this podcast, I'll have a Cincinnati poker trip report, but now I have a Cincinnati beer trip report. Before my trip, I noted a few places to check out, including Moorline Lager House, Street City Urban Gourmet, Sam Adams Taproom, Braxton Brewing, Ryan Hageist Brewery, and Jefferson Social. <clears throat> yes, quite a list for a short few-day trip. I understand, but I get excited about these things. With regards to beer and food, the top two on the list were Moorline Lager House and Street City or Urban Gourmet. Well, as sometimes happens on these outings, I hit upon a great spot and don't always make it to everywhere on the initial list. Upon arrival and check-in, I made my way on foot to downtown Cincinnati and found the first one on my list, Moorline Lager House. Along the way, passing a chain-slash-franchise location of Yard House. Seated at the bar of the Moorline Lager House in October, the first beer I order, of course, was their Das Überfest Lager. After the first sip, I wasn't certain that I would be making it to any other spots on my original list. See what I mean? <laughs> that all changed with the next beer, which did not live up to the first. Of course, with the score at one-to-one, -one, I needed a tiebreaker, and without further ado, I ordered a third, a Barbarossa, a Munich Dunkel, basically a dark lager. And this beer was as wonderful tasting as the first Das Überfest lager that I had. With the score at plus one, I returned the second evening of my trip. Two of the beers I ordered were subpar, and one of them being a pilsner that was completely off base. To keep the story from dragging on, bottom line is that I come to find out that the beers that were spot on, that is the Das Überfest Lager and Barbarossa Munich Dunkel, are brewed on site. And the problematic beers that I had are ones that are contract brewed off site. Now to note, they recently hired a new head brewer who is doing his best to make changes for the positive. All in all, this is a wonderful spot with superb staff, great food, wonderful ambiance, a large patio area directly across from the Cincinnati Reds baseball stadium and loggers that are spot on. For the time being though, be sure to order those that are brewed on site. Quickly, I did also visit a few other spots, including the Holy Grail Tavern and Grill, which had some interesting beverages on tap, including something called mom water, akin to a non-carbonated fruit-flavored seltzer, which I know sounds odd, but actually wasn't too bad. And another called Astra, a red cream soda hard seltzer, which if you like red cream soda with a little bit of a kick, this is one for you. Another local dive bar that I ended up at was Knockback Nats, where I met some nice folks originally from Cincinnati who are back in the area reminiscing at places they once frequented. 
There, I made up for the poorly made Pilsner that was at Moorline Lager House when I found one from Fretboard Brewing called Vlad Pilsner. Now that I've went on about some of the Cincinnati beer scene, Martin, which beer are you bringing us from Europe today? Okay, I'm back back in Belgium with this beer. Uh, this is called Grimbergen Rouge Intense. Uh, and I'm pouring it now, and as, this, as its name implies, it's very red in colour and a very sort of pinkish head of foam sits there on top. I can smell from even from a few inches away, there's a very fruity flavour to the to the smell, to the aroma. Wow, very fruity. Um, and a deep red colour. Let's have a taste. The fruit there, I think there's raspberry, which is not one of my favourite fruits, but having said that, this is this doesn't um, doesn't taste too bad. It's a pretty good beer. Um, nicely balanced. There's a slight spiciness to it, I think. Maybe, maybe some cloves or something like that. Raspberry flavour fruit, and then some other fruit, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what, but uh, yeah, very, very pleasant, very, very pleasant beer. Cheers. Salute, Martin. Sounds good. Yes, Belgium, uh, wonderful beers come out of Belgium, for, and they have been for a very long time. Uh, I should mention 5.5% ABV. On on the lighter side for for our podcast. yeah indeed indeed yes yes and for Belgian beers generally as well yes very, yeah very true there's some high ABV Belgians out there which are very good to very easy to drink sometimes and uh, easy to easy to go too far too fast indeed yes too easy sometimes yes remember that our focus here is non holdem poker specifically for anyone interested in trying their hands at mixed games and or those looking to try different variations of poker. Whether you're a dealer, player, or card room manager, we define the rules, the play, and easy to remember basic strategy tips to get you started in the mixed poker game arena. Today's episode, we will be covering Super Hold'em, Martin, why don't you walk us through the rules of Super Hold'em? Sure. Now, this was a side event at an EPT that that was held in Malta uh, some years, a few years ago. It hasn't been a stop on the EPT schedule for maybe four or five years, maybe a little bit longer. But this game was featured as a side event in uh, in Malta for sure. So it's not such a crazy carnival game that 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 might be described by some people uh, in terms of some of the games that we've covered on, on this podcast. And it, it can be played either pot limit or no limit, or at least I've seen it played pot limit and no limit. I don't see why it shouldn't be played fixed limit, but I do think it is an interesting game to play pot or no limit. It is similar to no limit hold'em, but the differences between no limit hold'em and super hold'em are the things that I think make this game, super hold'em, worth a try. I'll quickly go through how to deal and play the game. It's the showdown, by the way, where the differences uh, become apparent. Now, how to deal and play. First of all, the two people, the two players to the left of the dealer button will place blinds. The dealer then gives one, sorry, three cards to each player, one at a time, starting to the left of the dealer button in a clockwise motion. So once each player's got those three cards, there's a round of betting, and very familiar to no limit holdem players. After that round of betting, the dealer will burn a card and turn three cards face up in the table, in the middle of the table. These are community cards shared by all the players. And after that action, there's another round of betting starting to the left of the dealer button. Following that round of betting, again in a familiar action, the dealer burns a card and turns over a card adjacent to those three cards, known as the turn card. And that's, again, followed by a round of betting. The final card is dealt after that round of betting, so the deal burns with the card and turns over the river card. After a final round of betting that follows that river card, we get to the showdown. Now, the winner of the pot is the person with the best five-card poker hand that they form using either one, two, or three of their whole cards. And, and with, with four, three, or two from the board. So, 
you you must use at least one card from your hand, but you can use all three cards in your hand. You cannot play the board. So an example of a really good starting hand, you might get dealt three eights. Fantastic starting hand. You've already got trips before the flops even come out. But if the flop then, if the if the board then reads ace, king, queen, jack, ten, all you've got is three of a kind. And anybody who holds a nine or a higher card in their hand has a straight. So uh, that's a quick, quick rundown of the rules and the showdown. Any questions at this point, Sean? So the difference, just to sort of clarify, the difference between Super Hold'em and Pineapple, right? Pineapple, people might be thinking, well, you get three cards. It's kind of like pineapple, but here you keep all three to the end. And in pineapple, and I know there's different variations of pineapple, but um, you have to discard one at some point, one of the original three, correct? Correct. And then some folks might ask, well, what's the difference between this and Omaha? Well, right, the first difference is that you're only getting three cards here and four in Omaha or five or six, depending on which version of Omaha <laughs> you play. <laughs> but the yeah. other big difference is you can only use two cards in Omaha. And here, um, what you've described, you can use one, two, or three, but you have to use at least one and cannot play the board. Correct. One other interesting facet that the pot could actually be split at showdown. Is that correct? Well, it could, yes. In the example I just gave, uh, if you're dealt three eights and the board ends up ace, king, queen, jack, ten, any players holding a ten up to an ace will all have the same straight and will, will assuming that more than one player has got to the river with that, that, that hand, they will split the pot. Assuming also that nobody has a flush because it doesn't matter what the board is, a flush is always possible. For example, ace of clubs, king of spades, queen of hearts, jack of diamonds, ten of clubs. The ace of clubs and the ten of clubs together on the board means that anybody with three clubs in their hand has a flush. But, you know, quite often, depending on the action as well, if you get to the showdown and there's there's not loads of crazy action going on, then maybe the straight is the, uh, is, is the split pot winner. But by the way, just just to make a note, and I've already illustrated that on that board, a flush is possible. The nuts is something you need to be careful about. If you've got, for example, if you've got that board, ace, king, queen, jack, ten, and you have the king of clubs, seven of clubs and four of clubs, you've got a king high flush. And nobody can have a straight flush because you've got holding the king of clubs. But you don't have the nuts because even then someone can have a full house or even quads. Because if somebody holds two jacks and a queen, they have in their hand, and there's a queen and a jack on the board, they have jacks full of queens. If somebody has three aces in their hand, they have quad aces. Now, these are quite unlikely hands for people to hold, but it makes the game interesting that there are sometimes hidden hands that people don't see coming. You know, a, a, a person with a a straight on a board like that loses to the person that holds three clubs in their hand because they have a flush. I rambled on a bit there. What, what was the original question? Yeah, that's all right. Now it's just about the, the, the sorry. I know it sounded like you went into some strategy already there. We, um, just that the pot so, could yeah. be split. Yeah. It's yes, a possibility yes, that the right, pot yeah. can be split. Yeah. That's all. Um, unlike, say in stud sort of the bring in if if people have where the other you know the the bring in yes where people would have two deuces are out you go by suits there's nothing sort of like that here it's just you know if you have if no, two people no, have an no. ace high straight then the pot is actually split which makes it kind of interesting um you know a hold them split pot <laughs> game yeah yeah yeah. Well, but actually, you know, to be fair, in no limit holding, if the board is ace, king, queen, jack, ten, with four True. suits represented, anybody who gets to showdown is going to split because the nuts are on the board. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Although I would imagine it might be in your experience, I don't know, or in what you've heard about this game is 
our pot split off. And I would think in this case where you have one, two, you know, where you have the possibility of using up to three cards, it might be, you know, there might be more of a chance that pots get split versus hold them all five cards on the board pretty much have to have to, you know, meet everybody. And then the pot would, would be split among everybody who's still in the hand. Correct. In this game. If, okay. if four people, and, and well, they, four they, people say four people had the 10, it would be, could yeah. be split four ways. Well, in, in this game, it's, I think it's pretty rare that the pot's split because yeah, you know, if there's if there is a straight on the board, which is as common in this game as it is in No Limit Hold'em, sometimes the players don't hold the card they need to make that not straight. And don't forget, in No Limit Hold'em, sometimes there's a leveling war goes on where, let's say, there's an eight high straight on the board. Someone represents a nine in the hand, and someone else represents nine ten in the hand. Um, Okay, they might get to showdown, and all they both have is his king or something, and they do split the pot. <laughs> but um, in this game, it is more likely that somebody holds. Imagine if you hold nine ten jack, and the board is an eight high straight. You actually have a jack high straight. Somebody else with I don't know nine ten three might think they're pretty strong with a ten high straight, but then you both lose to the person that's got the hidden flush somewhere. right okay good i'm glad we talked about this yeah i think that's important for our listeners to realize um the possibilities of what are out there you know even even if you see the straight and you have you know the uh, a low end which which is a problem in omaha a lot right the low end of the straight is rarely going to win but yeah you also have to work out uh, look out for the flush in this one um with people holding three cards in each of their hands it's more likely that someone possibly has a, has a flush just because all they need is one card if there's four out there. So, yeah, I think it's important to sort of that we've mentioned all those nuances to look out for. Wow. This <laughs> comes down to a lot of board reading. It seems. It's true. Uh, let me give you an example of a hand I played and it's one of the first hands I ever played of this game. So it's a while back. Um, it's a long time ago. I had seven, six, four in my hand and the board came five, three, eight rainbow. And so I flopped a seven high straight using the seven, six, and four in my hand and the five and the three on the board. And there was some action on that flop. And then the turn was a second heart. And I bet, and a friend of mine went all in and he plays strong hands. I thought maybe he's got a flush, but I've got, you know, the, the, the pot odds were right for me to call with the strength of my hand. And it turned out, He'd also flopped a straight using three of his cards, but he actually had six four two, so he didn't have the flush. He'd flopped a six high straight using three cards, and he was trying to trap me by not re-raising on the flop, but he didn't realise that I was. I had actually even flopped a higher straight. So this is this is the kind of situation that can arise in Super Hold'em. Both of us flop really strong. <laughs> the one who flopped strongest, i.e., me, was worried that. The turn being a second heart had given my opponent a flush, and then that wasn't the case. He already thought that he'd um, smashed the board by flopping a six high straight. You know, it's uh, it can be quite cruel this game at times. Yeah, and when you were when we were going through sort of those nuances of the different hands that might be represented, um, the fact that this is played, you know, pot limit or, or no limit. Mostly, I, I have seen people in No Limit Hold'em bluff on, you know, a straight or a flush on board, you know, bluffing that they have a higher one or a higher flush, yeah. for example. So th- there is that possibility at the end as well. Of course, yeah, yeah. So you might not, you know, you, you might have split the pot if you had stayed, but if there's a big bet on the end, you you might uh, you might actually not make it to showdown and not get the split pot either that exactly way. yeah it, it's a it's a game where you know you you can feel like you're strong and you realize if you sit back and think about it there's so many holdings that can beat you all right how about we you know we might have went into a little bit of strategy there but uh do you have some beginner's tips for super hold them to get us started yeah of course the first one is don't be the monk who overplays big pairs that's not to say just auto fold and pre flop, but if you have say 
ace a7. And you completely miss the board. The board, let's say, it's nine of hearts, four of hearts, two of clubs. And players are getting busy putting chips in the pot. There's significant action, usually best to fold. As I say, it's not um, it's not to say that you should just fold these hands pre-flop. Because, for example, if there's two sevens on the board, you've, you've already flopped sevens full. Or if there's an ace on the board and a seven, you've flopped an ace, ace is full. There are boards that can really make you a strong hand that can uh, that can really take somebody by surprise and, and you, you can win a big pot that way but the people that stay active af after the flop with a big pair that has completely missed are, are losing a lot of money in this game so on the other side of that Try to see flops with hands that contain three of a suit or three connected cards or even, you know, a pair looking to flop a disguised full house on an unpaired board. So, for example, if you have 10-10-3 and the board is 10-6-3, you've already got 10s full of threes and nobody... It's hard for somebody else to put you on that. And, you know, if you if you happen to be sitting at a table with somebody who is overplaying big, playing big pairs... And they've got jacks, queens, kings, or aces, and they think, oh, I've got another pair to the board. I must be good, or at least, uh, you know, I, I, I can win by over beating somebody's two pairs by hitting a second pair myself. You can win a big pot with uh, one of those hands that connects using three of your cards and only two are from the board because that's so well disguised, especially against people that are really used to playing No Limit Hold'em or even Omaha, actually. It sounds like, you know, having three cards and being able to use um, one, two, or three of those cards, it sounds like it might be more difficult to put opponents on a range in in this game. Yeah, it, it, it is. It, it is quite common for somebody to show up with a, a disguised hand. Actually, and I suppose another a third tip I, I would give is... Um, People can be quite scared of running into strong hands in this game. So it is a game where you should be adventurous with bluffing at times. If you're meeting resistance, maybe back down on later streets. But if nobody seems interested in the in the pot on the flop or on the turn, it's probably a good opportunity to try to take it down, uh, even when you've completely whiffed. Obviously good to have blockers if you, if you can, but... Um, you know, even even try the occasional bluff with uh, complete complete bananas in your hand. Yeah, and you mentioned something that I think is important in in all forms of poker, and that is, you know, you said if you have the aces, for example, and you completely miss the flop, you know, you you, you got to it's a good chance you're gonna you should just fold fold out your hand. And I think that's important in all forms of poker, honestly. You know, there are a lot of starting hands, depending on your position at the table, for example, that you might see a, see a flop with or go, you know, to, to fourth street with. But depending on either the community board or how other people's fourth street are looking in stud and what cards you might need, you know, the, the removal, et cetera, it, sometimes you got to let what started out as a big hand just you just got to be able to let it go and i think that discipline is important to being a winning poker player no matter what the game mixed games or including no limit plo etc i agree yeah absolutely right good all right well, well I, 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 like... yeah yeah sorry I, yeah i think this is a game where um people get caught out you see you, you find people getting caught out with big pairs more than you do in, you know, I, I think people are aware in Omaha that they have aces double suited, let's say ace, ace, 10, seven double suited. The board comes eight, five, four with two of, a, two of the wrong suit. You don't see people overplaying that, that hand after that board. But when they have ace, ace, 10 and the board is eight, five, four in, in Super Hold'em, it looks like an unthreatening. Maybe eight five four is a bad example, but but it is sometimes to people's minds the board looks unthreatening to their overpair. 
when actually in this game, it's ridiculously threatening. <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, somebody somebody could already have quad eights in that in a situation. Exactly. Like yes. 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 Somebody with five five four as a full house, five full of fours. Like I say, if there's two two to a suit that you don't hold easily, somebody can have the other three cards of that suit making a flush. So yeah, your, your aces are so far behind a hand like those, hands like those. Yeah, I think it's hard for people to get rid of aces in a lot of games. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. We just see them and we think, hold them, no limit. And, and we're just thinking, I'm going to take down a big pot. And, you know, yeah. you just you forget you might be playing a completely different game like deuce to seven. That might be the only <laughs> game it's easy to get rid of aces. In, yeah, in I think it is. Game. It is easy to get rid of aces in that game for sure. But I mean, and even in stud, but aces can actually win big in stud because you could hit two pair and you've got your aces as the first bit pair. And so there's a good chance that you'll win, but yeah, it's tough to tough to lay down aces anywhere. And I've seen a lot of people lose a lot of money in Omaha um, holding on too long, holding on to aces. Me too. I've seen that plenty. Yes. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a, a very interesting game. Um, I like the, the twist on it. And I think in some ways it would be easier for people to learn because I know it, in Omaha, the problem I see is people thinking they can use more than two cards in their hand and thinking they have a full house, for example, when they don't because the board didn't pair. And so I think in some ways this is a little bit easier than than Omaha because you can use one, two or three cards in your hand. It could be. I think it might depend on the individual and how their brain's wired, I guess. I think some people might naturally latch on to the two card requirement in Omaha, but uh, find it more difficult to see hands creeping up on them with that the use three whole cards. And then other people might be wired differently and uh, and be able to see the, the, the hands developing this game better than they do with the two card limit. Possibly. And I wonder if it has anything to do with, it, it seems to me, to be the other way and that's kind of why i brought that up but that might be just speaking to people who haven't actually played omaha yet i think once you've played omaha like now that i know omaha and i've played that game um i'm used to the two cards right use two out of your hand but if you've only played mm -hmm. hold'em and never had omaha i wonder if this would be easier or not just to get used to um because in you know in no limit in hold'em you can use one or two and i know you yeah. can use zero but let's just ignore that for the moment but i think this would almost be an easier transition from hold them but i think like you said you know the wiring brain wiring may have something to do with it but i think having played omaha before it might be take a little bit to be able to go back in and that could be problematic That's too like, thinking you can only use two of the three in this game right yeah it's actually a very good point you've made i, I, I didn't look at it didn't think of it that way maybe maybe the the person who's played a lot of Omaha has had their brain rewired to see two cards, uh, see how two cards connect with the board and not more and not less. Um, and somebody who's only played No Limit Hold'em coming to this game probably can more easily adapt in that way. Yeah, it's a good point, Sean. All right, let's, uh, let's move on. We'll go into mixed game news. I will start with some uh, mixed game news. Well, kind of from this side, but not really, just more a global, I guess, news. And that is, I have to talk about Benny Glazer's um, just stellar W Coop run. And this has gone on. I mean, this it's not just this year in 2023 here, his W Coop run. But, I mean, this goes back, you know, years. Um, he's got the most ever of these uh, sort of online, Poker Stars online scoop titles. And... But coming to this year, I think he's won seven this year in 2023 in W Coop. And the first five of those were in non-hold'em games. So he, he's okay. he's a mixed game master. And he, let me just look here. The first five 2023 W Coop wins for Benny Glazer were Badoogie, Deuce to Seven, Triple Draw, no limit, deuce to seven, single draw. 
PLO eight or better and five card draw. And it's, it, it's just incredible to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. What a record. Yeah. What a yeah. feat. I, I know. And then he has, he has two other titles um, in no limit events. I believe he had no limit events. And uh, one of them, he was, he was at the final table and I think he was heads up actually against Patrick Leonard who went on to win it. So he almost, almost had another, another win under his belt. Wow. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. What a run. <laughs> yeah. And I think his, his online name is, let me get it right here. It's like, it's either run godlike or something, something along those yeah. lines. Yeah. yeah. But, and you know, it's a, Interesting when you pick a name like that, and then there you are living up to the name. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. But, well, that, that is an incredible achievement. Absolutely. I wonder if that'll ever be matched. I don't know. I don't know either. And, and I believe that Benny Glazer also won a 10K. I think he won the 10K Deuce to Seven event at the WSOP this year, 2023. And I believe... I saw Patrick Leonard uh, getting near the end of that tournament as well. So anyway, kudos <laughs> to both of them, but yeah, especially Glazer for, uh, for seven titles, five in non Hold'em games. Absolutely. Well done. Yep. So uh, how about, what do you have for us? Uh, and I know, like I say, you know, I know Ben and Glazer's from the UK, but it's, it's kind of a global thing. Um, and that's what I have. So you have anything uh, from the European side in addition to that? I have a couple of news items, and they're really. Um, I'm going to repeat these items under the uh, mixed games events section of the podcast. But I think these these are worthy of picking out as um, mixed games news because they advance mixed games concepts, I guess, in in tournament schedules in Europe. And uh, the first item I want to mention is the Festival Series main event in Bratislava in their schedule that runs from the 26th November to the 3rd of December, are including, as well as the Holden main event, a Mixed Games main event. I did mention this in the last podcast, but it's all been confirmed now. The event that the mix is being called Horses because it's a combination of the five games that make up Horse. And added to that, the fifth, the sixth game is Svitten Special. Um they're running the games in a different order to horses. The order will be Omaha High Low, A to Better, followed by Stud, then Hold'em, then Stud High Low, A to Better, then Svitten, Svitten Special, followed by Raz. All the games are going to be played with fixed limit betting structure. And that order that I've just listed, you might notice that it follows a flop game with a stud game, with a flop game with a stud game, flop game, stud game. So it's a much better mixture of order of events, order of games than uh, than horse itself would be. Um, and we talked about the eight game on the last episode of this podcast, the order of eight game games. So I think the festival series deserve a lot of congratulations for coming up with this idea, and not only the idea, but its execution. It's going to have a €550 Euro buy-in, that one. That, that's the main event, as I've said. Uh, main events carry better uh, points for player of the series uh, tables, and that's important because the player of the series in a festival series uh, stop always gets a ticket to the following series, which will which includes it's a package that includes uh buy-ins to tournaments as well as travel costs. So um that's kind of an added incentive for mixed games players to get involved in that next stop for the festival series. As I say, that's in Bratislava from the 26th of November to the 3rd of December this year. My second item of news is to highlight that the Battle of Malta this year have done, um, have, have stepped up their offering for mixed games players. They have a week long series of side events that would be of interest to people that like to play with more than two cards. 
Some of the side events are four and five card Omaha, but um, I think it's either two or three of, of, of that. So, but for, but for seven days in a row, you can play a, different, a tournament that is for more than with more than two cards. There's a couple of Svitin special tournaments along there. I think there's a horse and an eight game. And then, as I say, four and five card Omaha is, is the other offering. But um, on top of that, two of these side events have actually been given a 10K guarantee. These are the 21st of October Svitin special side event of 220 plus 30. So 250 euros total buy-in. And on the, on the following day, there's a deep stack four and five card PLO event with a 350 euro buy-in, also given that 10k guarantee. So, now Battle of Malta has been rightly criticised for their attitude to exorbitant raking of their events. Um, but I think it's worth picking out for balance that they should be given credit for taking a risk by giving some of these side events. And these are not the only side events, so there's some Hold'em side events as well that have been given guarantees that you know, you might end up with some overlay on some of these events. The ladies' event, for example, has been given a guarantee. So um, it's quite exciting that festival series like the Festival Series and Battle of Malta are really stepping up their mixed games offering. And I hope that more and more operators will do this as well. We'll follow fight. We'll follow um, follow their example and up their offerings to us, uh, us lovers of mixed games. Yeah, you know, on this podcast, I keep hearing you mention all these festivals on the European side in Malta yes. and uh, Kings of Talent and all these mixed games and how, I mean, they seem to really be focusing, you know, on the mixed games, especially lately. And uh, I think I'm going to have to work on trying to make a trip trip, trip over there to see you and uh, play some cards uh, on that side of the pond. Yeah, it'd be good to see you over here. Yeah, it certainly would. Yeah. I've just double checked, by the way. There is there's no eight game in the Battle of Malta. So there's two Spit and Special events, a horse event, and four four and five card PLO events. And they'll run one after each other um in October. Round about this the time when this podcast will be released, actually. That that'll be starting on the the first one of those events will be on the day this podcast is released, I believe. So let's go over some upcoming Mixed cash game and tournaments. I'll start with the U.S., starting with mixed cash games in the U.S. We have the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, which has an 816-08 stud eight rotation. Foxwoods in Connecticut and Borgata Casino in Atlantic City have seven-card stud cash games. Uh, and as I've mentioned before, Foxwoods has the better selection because I think they also have a seven-card stud bad beat jackpot, which helps bring people into the room. Going out to Las Vegas at Resorts World, there's a 4-8 and an 8-16 mixed cash game that runs. And then we also have South Point Casino in Las Vegas, which has low-stakes mixed cash games that run regularly. They have uh, usually Omaha 8 and seven-card stud in the like 4-8 fixed limit or 816 limits um and they also usually have an 08 tournament and then an 08 study rotation um tournament so in those when i mentioned 08 study rotation whether it be cash or tournament there's usually like in a cash game a lot of times it'll rotate every 30 minutes so a dealer usually changes out every half hour and at every dealer change they'll change the game between Omaha 8 and Stud 8. And then in a tournament, there's usually a set um, time or number of hands that they rotate the games. Uh, also at the Orleans in Las Vegas, they have an 08 cash game as well as some regular mixed tournaments, uh, including a horse and also an 08 Stud 8 mix and then uh, an 08 game. So 08's become popular. Omaha has generally become popular as of late. And then, you know, along with that, 08 in the mixed arena has become popular. And a lot of people, you, you hear me say this a lot, 08 study mixes. Um, it seems to be a popular mix among players. So that's why there's a lot of these offerings. The win in Las Vegas also has mixed cash games. I'm not too familiar with them. I'll try to get some more information before our next episode but they have mixed cash games. I think the buy-in there is a bit bigger. It's higher, and I'm not sure what the mix 
actually consists of. So that's the cash game side. And I know I mentioned a couple of regular tournaments there at South Point and Orleans. But now I'll go over some what are not regularly scheduled tournaments, just um, upcoming new and sort of annual uh, type events. But we've mentioned the Poker Go Tour Mixed Game Series before. That'll be wrapping up um, at the Poker Go Studio, which is located in front of Aria Casino. That wraps up on Saturday, October 14th. And unfortunately, these are not going to be streamed, but the word on the street is that PokerGo is putting together a studio to stream mixed games. And by the next mixed game series, um, they should be able to stream these mixed games that so many of us are just dying to see. Maybe I'll subscribe again at that point. Yeah, there's a lot of people, right, who complain there's not enough mix. You know, there, and even I, I think this is true. I, I feel that in like last year, even there were more mixed WSOP events streamed. I feel like it was I thought they said they were going to do a bit a better job, more comprehensive coverage. And I, I felt I don't know. I didn't like the coverage as much this year. You know, I, I like when they do the lower event buy ins as well. Um, on the poker go for WSOP, but you know, cause, cause those are more what most of us can get in and that's the level of play. A lot of us will be sitting in and it's nice to watch the championship events, but it's such high level for many of us that, you know, I, I like to see a lot of the like 1500 or $3,000 events. And I, I just, I think they did a not so great job this last year with the coverage of mixed games. Yeah, agreed. They've done better in previous years for sure. Yeah, I have one more uh, upcoming mixed uh, tournament with mixed game events in it, and that is the Moneymaker Tour at Palm Beach Kennel Club in West Palm Beach, Florida. So this is part of the Moneymaker Poker Tour that I mentioned on the past couple of episodes that just had a series that ran at the Hard Rock Casino in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I'll talk about that when I get to my recent play. But this is a continuation of the Moneymaker Poker Tour, and it will run at Palm Beach Kennel Club in West Palm Beach, Florida, from Wednesday, October 25th through Monday, November 6th. And that is also the time that the mixed games run, which is quite interesting because a lot of times you'll hear us say, this is the schedule for the tour series for for the entire tournament series but then here's the reduced days for mixed games but for this particular series there's a mixed game event on the very first day and one on the very last day and i'll go over those uh quickly uh here so first mixed game tournament beginning right out of the gate on the first day wednesday october 25th at 10 a.m and that's a 300 dollars buy-in horse tournament the following day, Thursday, October 26th, is a $300 buy-in 08 tournament at 11 a.m. And then that Saturday is a $300 buy-in mixed PLO event consisting of PLO, PLO 08, and Big O. And that's that Saturday, October 28th, starting at 11 a.m. Two days later, Monday, October 30th at 3 p.m. is a $300 buy-in big o, big o event. So that first week going just into the following week, there's uh, those are $300 buy-in events. And then the week after that, as the tournament series progresses, there's another horse and 08 tournament, but at the $500 buy-in level. And they'll be on Wednesday, November 1st, and Thursday, November 2nd, respectively. So the horse tournament on the 1st and the $500 buy-in 08 tournament on the 2nd. And then finally, to close it out, on the last day, Monday, November 6th, there's a $500 buy-in Big O event. So I do like this, that there's I, – generally, I like that mixed games are sort of consolidated in a series – because a lot of people, if they're traveling, they might only have a limited amount of time to travel. Um, but the way they do this, I think, in a way, is genius. So they have them clustered to some degree, right? So they're clustered over a few days for the smaller buying events. 
And then they're clustered at another time in the series with slightly higher buy-in events. So if your buy-in level is different or something and you don't have much time, you can make a choice. But they're they're still clustered, but they all actually traverse the entire tournament series from first day to last day. So I think it's very interesting how they decided to sort of set this series up. And we'll we'll see how it how it plays out, actually uh for complete you know to find a complete schedule along with dates and structure sheets you can go to moneymakerpt.com click moneymaker tour dates from the top menu and then palm beach kennel club to find the schedule and structure sheets i am hoping hopeful to attend this one but i haven't made concrete plans yet what do you have for us for mixed game players in europe martin uh, okay, I already mentioned the Battle of Malta. That'll be in full swing when this podcast is released. Um, oh, wait. Sorry, it's the week after. It's the 16th to the 25th of October. And I mentioned that there are seven running, running days where you can either play a four and five PLO, card PLO tournament, Sweden Special Tournament, or a horse tournament. They all start at either 4 or 5 p.m. The buy-in draw either... 250 or 350 euros. Following that, also in Malta, that, that that's that's at the Casino Malta venue in Pachaville in Malta. The following that from the 23rd to 30th of October, the Malta Poker Festival will run at the Portomasso Casino in Malta. There'll be a 230 euro buy-in Crazy Pineapple tournament, a 230 euros buy-in horse tournament hosted by John Gite, Norwegian pro. And then a 250 euro buy-in PLO tournament known as Night Crusaders uh, on the 27th of October. So 24th of October for Crazy Pineapple, 25th for Horse and 27th for the PLO. Um, after that, the World Series of Poker Europe will run in Rosvedov, Czech Republic from the 25th of October to the 14th of November. They include that, that event schedule includes the 27th of October, 550 euro PLO, eight max. 31st of October, 2000 euro buying PLO. 5th of November, 5000 euro buying PLO. On the 8th of November, 2000 euro buying, eight game mix. So some higher buying tournaments there, the World Series of Poker Europe. Um, and then the other series that I've already mentioned in this podcast, the festival series Bratislava, which runs from the 26th of November to the 3rd of December. Um, I already mentioned the Mixed Games main event, Horses. The actual days for that tournament, there are three day ones, 26th, 27th and 28th of November. Day two is later on the 28th of November. There's a, there's a good hour and a half or something gap between the end of day 1C and the start of day two. So there's time to get a rest and a snack and a refreshment uh, if, you, if you qualify for day two by playing day 1C. Um, also in there, there's No Limit Crazy Pineapple, sorry, Crazy Pineapple on the 26th of November, 125 euro buy-in. On the following day, 250 euro buying fit and special pot limit. On the 28th of November, there's a half and half 125 euro buying, which is Texas Oldham and PLO. The 29th is a 250 euro buying eight game. Also on the 29th of November, there's a 1,100 euro buying PLO high roller. On the 30th of November, there's a 125 euro buying horse and also a 250 euro buying four, five, and six card PLO. Following day, 1st of December, 250 euro buying open face Chinese, 250 euro buying PLO Masters, and 125 euro buying mixed PLO and PLO 8. On the 2nd of December, 250 euro buying PLO Freeze Out, 125 euro buying five card PLO Turbo Midnight Madness. Then on the 3rd of December, the final day of the series, there's a 1,100 euro buying open face Chinese high roller. I'll be going for that festival in Bratislava. So uh, I hope to see some listeners there. I'll also be attending some of the tournaments at Battle of Malta and the Malta Poker Festival. So um, lots of uh, tournaments to enjoy in Europe in the next few months before the end of the year. 
and uh, then let's see what what people start announcing for next year. And hopefully we'll entice Sean over to join us in a, a festival or two for that. Uh, yes, looking forward to it. Yeah, and, and the WSOP will be <laughs> coming up on us again <laughs> before we know it as well. <laughs> There seems I'm going to have to try to sock some money when I'm talking about it, you know, a trip over to Europe there to play some of these events. I'm going to have to start socking money away. It seems that the uh, mixed game events are starting to come to the forefront more than they ever have. And uh, which is a great thing. It's just going to have to change. I'm going to have to change my saving habits now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get your priorities right now. Or or bank some events. How about that? That that might actually be something I, I should strive to do. <laughs> Perhaps if that's the top priority, I guess. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of, let's talk about our recent mixed gameplay. I'm gonna give a Cincinnati trip report here. I mentioned the uh, moneymaker poker tour a number of times here. Um, I did attend that one at the Hard Rock Casino in Cincinnati recently, and I have to say the poker now. The tournament series was not run in the poker room. It was run on the second floor in a conference room, but the poker room at Hard Rock Cincinnati was beautiful. I just, the, the tables were nice. The room was aesthetic. I didn't, I felt like the tables weren't terribly close to one another. Some of these rooms you go into, you're, you're, you know, going sideways, trying to scoop past people and bumping into people. It just seemed laid out really nicely. Um, and it just looked beautiful and well run it was you know then like i said the series itself was run upstairs in the in a conference room which was nice and i have some pluses and minuses with that first of all you're sitting in conference room chairs which don't really work for poker tables in my opinion especially for people who are short like myself so and i know there's a trick that people say get two chairs and stack them up and this and that so that is a possibility but I don't like, I mean, conference chairs, conference room chairs aren't really comfortable to begin with. And then they don't raise up and down. And I get it, you know, when you're running a tournament series, chairs can get expensive. Um, but anyway, that's one of my complaints. And the other sort of complaint, which I know is difficult to overcome, is that I, I do kind of like when the tournament is nearby the poker room. And I can see people going either way on this with their opinion. But it feels if you're not necessarily even in the same room, but close or where you can see each other. Cause then it just feels like there's more poker action. Like the, the poker room there was pretty busy. And then the tournament series had a fair number of folks as well, but because they were both separated, it seemed, it could have seemed bigger and better if you were together in another fashion. And then again, I know that's not always possible, depending on the venue and then there's people mixing in among each other. But I just felt like there was really more action than it seemed like, especially with the conference room where they were running the tournament series was so large. Um, sometimes it seemed a little barren or vacant, uh, you know, as it got a little later into the tournament. But anyway, besides that, it's a, I, I thought the hard rock Cincinnati was beautiful, a beautiful venue. I, I feel like the, Tournament Moneymaker Tournament Series was run extremely well. I did get to play, and maybe I'm biased because they had some <laughs> mixed game tournaments, and I was just totally excited and enamored, and it could have been a, a dive bar poker room, and I would have been excited. Although I do like sort of these backroom parlors, you know, uh, or underground rooms to play in. So, um, But I got to play in. So actually getting to my recent play, I played the horse event, and the seven card stud event. And I, I thought this was interesting. I never really thought a whole lot about it until I noticed that the horse tournament, I don't remember the exact number of players, but it was 90 something, 92, four, eight, somewhere in that ballpark, which I thought was pretty, pretty amazing for this series in Cincinnati. And then the seven card stud tournament was 68 players. So, you know, on the realm of 30 or 25 to 30 less players in the stud tournament than the horse tournament. And I, I thought that was, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was interesting because stud is one of the games in horse. So I thought if you're playing horse, you, you wouldn't you play stud mm -hmm. and wouldn't then more people play stud. I don't know. That that's just kind of my thought. Do you have any reason why that might be the case, Martin? 
I'll let you think about it for a minute and I'll go over some stats, see if you can think of anything. Because I went on to find, you know, this holds true for the WSOP as well. So in the, this is for the 2023 WSOP in the $1,500 stud event, there were 360 entries. And then in the $1,500 horse event, there were 886, so over double. And so that's low stakes. And funny enough, we did talk about this, but I have to mention again, the $1,500 stud at the 2023 WSOP was won by none other than Nick Shulman, who is also a wonderful poker commentator. Um, but it, the numbers also hold true for the $10,000 championship events with 130 entries in the 10K stud event at the WSOP in 2023 and 185 entries in the $10,000 championship horse event that same year. So it holds true, at least for those stats that I quickly looked up in those events. And I there is a woman, so I was trying to understand this and I saw a lady who was in the horse tournament with me and she was not in the stud tournament. She was kind of walking around and I, I stopped her and I said, Hey, you're not, are you not playing the stud tournament? And she said, no. And I said, yeah, I saw you in the horse. You know, you were at my table in the horse tournament. Why are you not in the stud tournament? And she's like, well, I'm not really, that's not my game and I'm not really good at it. So I do get it that maybe, you know, there's, a, you have feel like you have an edge maybe in a game or, or something, but I just thought, I don't know. It just still surprised me a little bit that, you know, she, she wasn't playing in the, the stud event when she played stud in a horse. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know that she yeah. did very poorly in it, but. Okay. Some possibilities. Um, depending on uh, how many people have to fly into a venue, sometimes the early and the late events can have lower numbers. So I don't know what the dates were for the stud event and the horse event, but there might be a factor whereby if the stud event was late in the schedule, it, maybe some people had to go home. Uh, I don't know. Um, th that's, that happens in, uh, for example, in Malta. If, there's, if if the flight from Sweden is on Tuesday and the, and the tournament, and the tournament festival series starts on Sunday, it tends to be after Tuesday when the numbers start to grow significantly because a lot of people, Swedish players are attracted to coming down here. Um, another point you mentioned earlier is that 08 and uh, Stud 8 as a combination are a popular game. So maybe a number of the players that play horse play because both of those two games are included in that mix, but they avoid Stud because that's just not attractive to that type of player. So the, the couple of theories there could be absolutely nothing in, in that, but um, I suppose a, a third one might be that uh, someone who is actually generally genuinely interested in mixed games doesn't see any individual specific game as, as attractive as a rotation of a, a number of games, whatever they happen to be. So that's I guess that's a third theory. But I don't know. I, I wouldn't... Uh, want to suggest that I, I know for, for a fact that any one or a combination of two of the or two or three of those factors are the reason it's just uh, their possibilities I guess I think they're pretty high probabilities hearing them uh I don't remember the exact dates I do know the horse tournament was or the stud tournament was later in the week the horse was earlier and once you mentioned schedules I do believe the uh, main event, I know it was Hold'em, but the Moneymaker main event was also later in the week, and it may have been running at the same time as the stud tournament. So I think schedules are one that you hit the nail on the head. And you, the other one you mentioned about the 08 stud 8 rotation, rotation, which, as you said, I also mentioned earlier in this podcast, I think that's something I actually didn't sort of extend to this, and I think that is true, that yeah, that's why people would play horse. One of the reasons, you know, they feel they have an edge in two of the five games and then everybody thinks they have an edge and hold them. So there's 60% of the games you have an edge in and then you just got to deal with the other two. So I think those are those are two very good theories. And I think your third theory also holds true. So I think you've, yeah, you've done a good job, I think, of maybe answering those questions. 
for me. So uh, uh, yeah, nice job, Martin. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not sure. Yeah. There's probably at least some some uh, impact on the numbers for, for those reasons. I don't know. I didn't cash in either of those events, unfortunately, but I had a very, very enjoyable time playing live mixed games and with people who absolutely enjoy them. It reminds me of going to like an industry conference like, uh, you know, I've been in the beer industry over the years and you go to an industry event and it's basically like thousands of people, you know, that love the same thing. And I find this at the WSOP as well, right? Just when there's a large number of people who love the same thing that you love, it's just that just amps up your excitement and gets the adrenaline going. So it's it's nice to be able to play live mixed games, which I just do not get the opportunity to play much at all. So it was nice to uh, to have that opportunity. So what do you have? Let's hear about your mixed game play, Martin. Well, actually, I had quite a bit of time off recently because I had a, a significant birthday and I had quite a few family members over visiting me in Malta that came over from England. So I haven't got much your to birthday? report. Yeah, I, I turned 60 recently. So, Oh, well, happy uh, birthday. Cheers. Thank Salute. you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was... Um, that mean I didn't play much, but uh, I did have a go at the. Uh, there was the Party Poker Millions Festival in Malta recently. It's just finished, and I played the. Was it horse or eight game? Uh, why can't I remember? It was either horse or eight. It was eight game um, that was played towards the end of that festival. I, I came nowhere. I, I busted quite quickly. I never uh, got anything going. Uh, but I, again, I had, a, like you, I had a blast. I had a wonderful time. Lots of people that also enjoy mixed games. Um, just didn't get the, the cards that I needed. There were some there were some spots I could see at the table where I could get some chips from, but the, you, need, you also need to get the situations and, and that they yeah. just never came my way. So... Uh, that was eventually won by Nicholas Nyman, a Swedish resident of Malta. So uh, he's a great player. Congratulations to Nicholas. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back back at the felt much more uh, very soon. For the first time, I think I may have played more than you in one of our episodes. <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the jealous one this time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I uh, And I mentioned a little while ago, right, about not having the money, you know, I'm going to have to save up some more money to travel. And part of it is I've been playing a lot of tournaments online and live um, because there's not a lot of mixed cash games. Although, you know, we've talked about SWC and th there are a, a bunch of low stakes on there. But, you know, if I had more live mixed games, it's hard in a tournament, right? Your buy-in is gone. Basically, that money is vaporized as soon as you pass it across the uh, registration desk. Um, and so you have to cash, which is not something that you do often. And the fact that I'm not playing often either is sort of, you know, yeah. going against me. So, you know, I just I wish there were some more live mixed games that I could get into, you know, maybe, you know, maybe my uh, bankroll wouldn't <laughs> be hurting so much if I could, you know, because it's a little easier to at least book, even if they're small wins, it's a little easier to at least book wins once in a while in live games versus yeah. tournaments. It's a lot harder to cash in a tournament. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, I do prefer I think, cash games actually, generally. Sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah. No, me me as well. And and everybody that listens to this podcast knows I enjoy live poker more than online, but I, I do have to give kudos as we have in the past to SWC for for having a lot available. We just got to get more people on the site, but they, I mean they have there are so many mixed games that they have, just all the tabs. It's just incredible all the mixed games that are available. I love it. It is. Yeah, me too. And, yeah. and a lot of tournaments as well. Yeah. So. No, that's, that's, that's true. Yeah. It, but I, like you, I, I do prefer cash games. Um, that birthday really got in the way of poker. <laughs> I had a fantastic <laughs> time though. So, some family members that had never been to Malta before uh, came over. So oh, wow. We had a wonderful time showing them around and the weather was perfect as well. So. Uh, it was wonderful. I forgot Excellent. about poker for a few days. <laughs> yes, time to get back to it, Martin. Indeed, indeed. 
If you want to learn more about mixed games, Martin and I have each written a book. Head over to Amazon for my book, Poker, All the Games, a comprehensive introductory guide to mixed games. There you can read the rules and basic strategy for each of 23 mixed poker games, as well as other chapters on why mixed games provide a better edge than hold'em, and other things like health and wellness, um, which are important not only in life, but also in playing this game of poker. Martin, why don't you tell us about your ebook? Yeah, my ebook is called Pot Limits Vitan Special. It's also available on Amazon. It's about one specific game. It's a European version of Dromaha. Uh, it takes you right through from the very basic how to deal and play the game, what the rules are, through the starting hands, every different type of starting hand, all the odds for completing your hands, both the draw hand and the Omaha hand. It takes you through the pre-flop, flop, draw, turn and river stages. It also gives you a quiz section near the end, which can uh, question you your uh, awareness of how well you've learned how to play the different betting rounds and how to decide which cards to draw. And then there's a, there's a section at the very end which goes through a few other variations of Svit and Special or Dromaha that I had played at, at that point when I'd written the book. And I'm also working on the hard copy. No ETA on that at the moment, but uh, that is in, in work in progress. You can follow me on Twitter at P-O-K-R all the games it's poker at poker all the games but there's no e in poker because it's too many letters for twitter or subs and or subscribe at pokerchannel.substack.com and when you see our um on twitter we post these uh episodes and or if you go to uh, substack and subscribe there uh hit the like button for us send a subscribe um to pokerchannel.substack.com and you can also follow martin at go ahead martin okay my handle is on both twitter and substack is poker for leisure or poker for leisure p-o-k-e-r the number four l-e-i-s-u-r-e so on twitter it's poker for at poker for leisure and on substack it's poker for leisure.substack.com well, that's all for episode 38, Super Hold'em. Join us again in three weeks for episode 39, where we will discuss Svitten 49, also known as Dramaha 49. Thank you for listening to Poker All the Games. Thanks to Ricky Snyder for music and sound. Be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast, Poker All the Games, so you never miss an episode. Until then... May your hands be huge, your cards fill both high and low, and scoop as many pots as you can. Mm -hmm.